Good morning, everyone. It's awesome to be here this morning with you guys, as it is every Sunday morning, even when I'm not preaching. Um, my name is Ben, like Ike already said, and uh, yeah, so today it's uh, my turn to do the message. Um, all week long, I was thinking, man, I should ask the worship team to sing the song Hosanna, and I never did, and wow, thank you guys for that. That was great. Um, I think it'll go right in line with our message here this morning. Let's just uh, pray one more time before we start. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the breath that we have, Lord. Thank you for the people in our lives, God. And we just invite you here now in this place, Lord, that you would come with your spirit, that you would speak to us through your word, through your spirit, God. So I just pray that our hearts would be ready to hear from you here this morning, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. It was uh, Palm Sunday, but because of a sore throat, uh, five-year-old Sammy stayed home from church with a babysitter. When his family returned home, uh, they were carrying several palm fronds, which are these things off palm branches. Uh, Sammy inquired about um, what they were for. Uh, his dad explained people held them over Jesus' head as, uh, as he walked by. Wouldn't you just know it, said Sammy. The one Sunday I stay home from church, and he shows up. Today is Palm Sunday, and I'm glad you guys are all here, because I wouldn't want you guys missing Jesus showing up, or showing up here this morning and speaking to us, or in fact this week, because it's an exciting week. How many, can, how many of you guys can believe it's already Easter? Like, that came fast. Somebody told me yesterday, like, we're less than a year away to the next Easter. So like next year's Easter is like March 27th or something like that. Wow, it feels like Easter is like almost in winter time already these days. But today is Palm Sunday, uh, which is um, the first day of Passion Week. It's in the last week of which Jesus lived his life here on this earth. And so it's a very meaningful week. And so we begin our Easter series. And so it's important that I think we start uh, thinking about next weekend already and what is coming. Um, is it this mic or I keep getting feedback? Um, but it's a time where we start, I think, analyzing ourselves. Um, and it's a great time of year, I think, to share the meaning of what Easter is all about and to celebrate our King. And so we'll be looking into our text shortly. It's found in Luke chapter 19, verses 28 uh, to, and Further. So if you guys want to turn there already, I'm going to set it up for you guys a little bit, what's happening. Um, Jesus and his disciples, they are on their way to Jerusalem. And uh, they're going there for the annual Passover feast, um, which is the greatest Jewish tradition of the year. The Passover feast has been happening since way back when the Israelites um, lived in Egypt. What happened was uh, God told them to put a red mark on above each of their doors, and then that night an angel of the Lord came and killed the firstborn in every house of the Egyptians because they did not have that red mark on because the angel passed over those houses with the red mark. So they called it Passover. And so um, ever since then, the Jewish people have been holding this festival to celebrate that. They've been holding this tradition. And so not only are Jesus and his disciples on their way to this thing, but Jews far and wide, Israelites from all over the place, are getting together to have this uh, huge celebration. And so that 
and you can kind of envision already this swarm of people coming to this event, making what Jesus did on this day all the more significant. Let's go to our text, Luke 19, 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany, at the hill called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. So what is happening here is Jesus is presenting himself as the king and the Messiah for the Israelites or to the people. And so what Jesus does and how he does it here is really quite amazing if we understand it properly. We have Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey that had never been ridden before. Um, and so an unridden animal was something that was considered uh, especially suitable for religious purposes. And so I think his disciples, they start to get this idea of what is uh, supposed to be happening here because uh, Jesus is riding this unridden animal and um, so they start praising him, they start shouting him, and as they're strolling around into this town, and Jesus is just sitting there on this donkey, taking it all in. Now this is really quite significant, because what, um, what the disciples are shouting is, um, Hosanna, uh, you are the kings, etc. You can read it, we'll read it in a bit. Um, but up until now, in Scripture, any time... Jesus did a miracle anytime he did a healing. It was like he told them, don't tell anyone. It's like he tried to keep it on the down low, like hush. Like, uh, for instance, if you go back a little ways, he asked his disciples, uh, who do you say I am? And they, and they said to Jesus, they, we say that you, you are the Christ. And he warns them to not tell anyone. So what has changed? What, why is Jesus coming in here saying that I am the king, I am the Messiah, when up until now, when somebody had said, uh, you are the Christ, he said, he warns them not to tell anyone. What has changed is that in all those other times, Jesus' ministry had not yet been fulfilled. It was not yet his time to go. And so he avoided major conflict with some of the religious authorities. But Jesus now knowing that his time was coming, that he was about to be crucified, that it was his time to leave this earth, intentionally and purposely comes walking into Jerusalem, knowing all this, saying, here I am. I am the king. I am the Messiah. And that creates problems because Israel already had a king. They just didn't recognize Jesus as their king. They didn't recognize him as their Messiah. And what better place for Jesus, a short time before he's about to leave this earth, to make it known that he is the King and the Messiah than to do it at the annual Passover feast? What better place 
what better way to echo the message so that so many people get to hear it? Unfortunately, many people did not recognize him as the king. Many people did not recognize at that time what was happening. There was a big crowd there. And I used to get this idea, Palm Sunday, you know, as Jesus is marching in there on this donkey, everybody's just shouting and clapping and stuff. But if you read it really carefully, it's actually the disciples that are doing that. It's not the crowds. The Jewish, it actually creates problems with the Pharisees. The Pharisees missed what was actually happening here. Many Jews missed what was happening here. And I think we can relate, maybe, somewhat. We have crowds of people celebrating Easter, taking Easter off. We have crowds of people even that go to church that we may not recognize him. Do we recognize him here today as our king? Do we recognize him as our personal Messiah? See, I believe that's what Jesus was trying to portray in this whole scene, is that he is our king, that he is our Messiah, and that he is still trying to portray that to the world, that he is that for us, that he is that for the world. Do we recognize that? And so I think it's a beautiful illustration of how these disciples, they're walking by and they're pointing all this attention to the king. And then there's these people that are just watching this go on. And I just can't help but wonder, which one of those two are we now? Are we the ones that are just saying, look, here's the king. Are we trying to point everything about Jesus? Or are we just a bystander watching this all come past us? I think it's a beautiful illustration of our job as Christians, to continually point and shout to the King, to worship the King. We need to do that in our lives. I think, even though the disciples were doing this, I don't think they knew or they expected what was going to happen in the next week to happen. I think they expected um, Christ to literally reign over Israel on this earth and to defeat their enemies and and that's what many of the Jewish people thought. And that's why they didn't embrace him as the king. And in fact, many Jews to this day still don't embrace Jesus as their Messiah because he did not reign here on this earth. I think it's a tough thing to, go to grasp, you know, a God coming in human flesh and dying for us. But Jesus is clearly presenting himself as the king. And this is a prophecy that he fulfilled. Zechariah 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. It's crazy how so many years before this happened, that it was prophesied that this was happening. He is our king. He is righteous. He is the victorious one. And he came presenting himself as a king humbly on a donkey. And so Jesus presents himself as the king and the Messiah for all people. Secondly, Jesus presents himself as the one to worship. Continuing on in our text, verse 37, when he came near the place 
where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I'm just going to leave the cap off because, man, my mouth is just drying up. Um, so we already established that Jesus knew that he would cause the Jewish leaders to take action against him. He knew coming into this thing that this is going to rub people the wrong way. This is going to cause them to be against me. This is going to cause them to start thinking about taking me to the cross. He knew this coming into this thing. And here we already see that this whole entry is starting to create a little bit of a problem with the Pharisees. They tell Jesus to rebuke his disciples. I'm guessing they didn't um, like the fact that they were praising this man coming in there. I'm guessing they were quite irritated with the scene. They were annoyed by the whole thing. And I'm sure they didn't like these disciples calling Jesus the king. And so we see that it starts to create that problem. And, but if you see the disciples, all they wanted to do was they wanted to worship God. They wanted to praise God for the things that they had seen, the miracles because they had seen Jesus do because they knew who this man was. They had spent enough time with him. They knew who this man was. And they couldn't contain themselves any longer. It was just like coming out of them, this worship, because that's how great he is. And this God of ours, when we get to know him, he demands our worship. This Jesus, he demands to be worshipped. Because that is how great he is. And so Jesus' response is that if they don't praise me, these rocks will. God's creation will. Because God's creation knows its creator. They know he is worthy of it. And so if we don't worship him, maybe we don't know who he really will he really is and if we don't worship him somebody will something will because he demands to be worshiped and he is that great that we must worship him and so jesus telling the pharisees that if the disciples won't cry out to god the stones will that tells us that jesus is presenting himself to the people as the most important being to worship ever the most important being to worship ever and I think this Easter season is a great reminder of who Jesus is. And as we learn about who Jesus is and what he did, I think our response will be that we will want to worship. It will come out of us. We will want to pray, praise him. And so I think we begin now already for next weekend, preparing our hearts, praying for our hearts, so that we can be deeply moved once Good Friday comes around for what he has done for us, so that we will want to respond to in worship. Ike said last week that we are all worshipers of something. So what is it that we are worshiping? And I think the thing that we should be worshiping the loudest this week is Jesus. The thing we should be worshiping the loudest this week is Jesus. I wonder sometimes about the way we worship and our cry of worship, if it 
um, were to look a little bit similar to the disciples. You know, they were singing and praising him loudly in this passage, and um, it was kind of annoying to the people around them. And I wonder if we're afraid of that sometimes, or if what happened is it brought people to be critical of the way they were worshiping. And I wonder if we're afraid of worshiping freely because we're afraid of what people will think around us. I'm not saying that, you know, we need to try and be weird when we worship, but I'm just saying that you do what it takes to express yourself with God. You do what it takes to have your moment with God. You don't worry about the things um, around you. You know, as I was reading this passage, you know, it, it kind of took me off guard a little bit, too. I was just thinking, man, you know, like, what if we, I was trying to envision, what if we saw this on the streets today? There's these people just praising this man like that, you know. I would be tempted to think, like, man, you know, they're like the oversaved type, you know. But uh, um, the point of it all is that God wants to connect with our hearts. He wants to connect with our hearts. He wants to be worshipped. And uh, so he presents himself as the one that is important to worship. I love that Henry read this verse already, but it was in my sermon. Through him, then. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that gives thanks to his name. Hebrews 13, 15. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Philippians 4, 4. Thirdly, Jesus portrays his concern for their spiritual state. In verse 41. As they approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. This is one of the rare times in scriptures where Jesus wept. In fact, there is only one other time where it says that Jesus wept in scripture. And so I think it's important that we take note of that as well. We see this picture already of Jesus riding in the on the donkey, the disciples being loud, they're praising God, and the Pharisees are trying to rebuke them, and all this is going on, and they're getting closer to the city. And as Jesus looks into the city, and he sees all these people, this swarm of people just coming together and gathering, and amid, in the midst of all this noise, Jesus riding on the donkey begins to weep. We can tell what was really on his heart. We can tell what he really cares about. And he cares about the people that they didn't even recognize who he was, who he is. He cares that people didn't have their trust placed in him yet. He cares that they, don't, they hadn't truly found peace in their lives yet. Yes, all these people believed in God. And that's why they're coming to this Passover feast. Sure, they believed in God, but they did not recognize him. They did not recognize where peace came from. They had not embraced Jesus' teachings. And I wonder if at that moment, Jesus is sitting on the donkey, and he's thinking and he's weeping because he's the reason, they're the reason that he is going to the cross. I want to take it one step further. I wonder if he's sitting there thinking that I'm going to die for these people, and they're not even going to know it. They're not even going to recognize it. They won't realize I did this for them. I want them to know where they can find peace. 
to do something as great as dying on the cross for his people and then not recognize it must be a really deflating feeling. And it still happens to this day where he died for the world and there are still people who do not recognize what has happened on the cross. We can only find that peace that we're ever looking for in life in in Christ. John chapter 16 verse 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In him is the only place um, we can have peace. And you know, I think it's only right for for us to ask ourselves today, where does our peace come from? How much different would it be if Jesus was making this entry today? Would he be able to say that it is different with us? Or would he be saying if they had only known what would bring them peace. And so I think we need to begin to recognize already what is about to happen next weekend, uh, unlike many of the Jews who didn't. And just like the world around us, they don't recognize what's about to take place. You know, it's funny because everybody has Good Friday off, right? (laughs) But many of them don't really know what it's about. And I think that we can help show them why. And in the same way that Christ cared for these people as he's looking on them, we can look at the world around us in the same way. I think we need to look um, at people through the lens of God. And what a beautiful lens this is, the way Jesus cared so passionately, so deeply for these people. And I want to challenge you guys, because the essence of Christianity, the salvation experience, the cross happening is one of the most is the most important thing in the Christian life. And I want to challenge you guys to connect with somebody this week who knows about Easter but maybe does not know what the cross is all about and that it happened for them. They don't recognize that they don't happen that it didn't happen for them. I want to challenge you guys bring someone to church this weekend because the message of the cross will be powerful here. And it's important that we get that out there. Jesus, he found these people worth weeping over. He cared so much about them that he had created them in his own image. And when we begin to understand, I think in our lives, that Jesus cares this much about us, then we begin to understand, then we begin to see that he also cares so much about the people that we are around, that we associate ourselves. And so living for ourselves will not give us the peace that we want and need. Rather, living for the one that has died for us will give us that peace. And so I think that this is an exciting time of year. And when you look at how the disciples worship Jesus, when they're making it coming in, it says they joyfully praised God. And I think that these three reasons... Jesus presenting himself to us as the king, as the Messiah. Jesus presenting himself as the most important being to worship ever. Jesus portraying his concern for our spiritual state, for his people. Give us a reason here today to be happy, to be joyful, to look forward to the week to come. So this is an exciting time for me, and I think it should be for all of us. You know, we often get so excited about different things. For me, it's sports games, for those of you who know me. Um, For others, it's movies, and for others, it's games and paychecks, and, you know, all these different things.
But I think that Jesus is so much worth, so worth so much more getting excited about this week, don't you guys? And so I would ask that we would express that excitement externally in our lives. I have a story, and then I'll close. Um, the donkey that Jesus rode um, awakened the next morning, and this the next morning, and this is just a story. Clearly, his mind was still savoring the afterglow of the most exciting day of his life. Never before had he felt such a rush of pleasure and pride and honor. He walked into town that next morning and found a group of people by the well. I'll show myself to them, he said, but they didn't notice him. They went on drawing their water uh, and paid him no mind. Throw your garments down, he said. Don't you know who I am? We're talking about the donkey here. They just looked at him in amazement. Someone slapped him and ordered him to move. Miserable heathens, he muttered. I'll just go to the market where the good people are. They will remember me. But the same thing happened. No one paid any attention to the donkey as he strutted the main street in front of the marketplace. The palm branches, where are the palm branches? Yesterday, you guys threw palm branches at me. Hurt and confused, the donkey returned home to his mother. Foolish child, she said gently, don't you realize that without him, you are just an ordinary donkey? Just like the donkey who carried Jesus into Jerusalem, we are most fulfilled when we are in Jesus Christ. Without him, all our best efforts amount to nothing. Without him, we are just ordinary people. When we lift up Christ, however, we are no longer ordinary people, but we are a part of God's plan to redeem the world. And we can enjoy the ride and watch the work of the King as it is happening in front of us. And so I think that we are just the donkey here today. We have the privilege of carrying this king in. Amen? It isn't about us, but it's about the king. And the king making his entrance and worshiping him. And why not when he cares so much about us? So Jesus is here today, presented to you and I as the king of all kings. The savior you and I need. And he demands and wants our worship. And he cares for you and I here today and where we are at. Are we ready? Are we ready to bring the king into the world? Let's pray. God, thank you for being our king. Thank you for being our Messiah. And thank you for dying on the cross. Lord, I pray that as this week comes, Lord, we will be around lots and lots of different people in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever we may be, Lord. We have an opportunity point you to them, to carry you into that place. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be afraid to do that. I pray that we wouldn't be afraid to worship you in public places, Father. And that the world would see you in us. Thank you, Lord, for what you will do. In Jesus' name.